Um, this morning we continue a series, Practices of a Disciple. And one of the practices of a disciple is Bible study, reading the scriptures, spending time in the Bible. And it's one of the things that we're passionate about as a church. In fact, our living communities that we talk about, one of the practices of a living community is to spend time sharing the word, spend time studying the scriptures together. And why? Why is that so important to us? And, and Paul lays out for us some of the why here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. He's writing this to Timothy, young protege of his, a pastor. And he says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So even when Timothy was a young boy growing up, the Bible was part of his home taught to him by his mom and by his grandmother. The scriptures were a part of his growing up. And Paul references that. He says, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. How? Through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God, the follower of God, the person of God may be complete, fully furnished, fully equipped for every good work. As we look at this passage, it's kind of like a a foundational scripture when it comes to what we believe as the church about the Bible. And so what do we believe? When it comes to the Bible, what do we believe? And again, you can go to the website and pull up livingthatchurch.com, go to the about and go to what we believe. And you can feel free to do that now because I'm just going to kind of talk through quickly kind of that statement of what we believe as a church when it comes to this book we call the Bible. And here's what it says. This is what it says on the, as far as our statement of beliefs as a church. It says, we believe the Bible is God's word given by divine inspiration. What's that mean? It means that we believe that the very words that we're reading in the Bible come from God himself. That he spoke these, he, he breathed these words out. And that they're the record of his revelation to humanity. It's basically, this is how we get to know who God is. God has given us this book so that we can know who God is and our relationship with him and how to have relationship with him. And we believe that it's trustworthy, it's sufficient, meaning it's enough, it's without error. And it's the supreme authority and guide for all doctrine and conduct. We believe it's the ultimate authority because God's the one who's given it to us. And there is no higher authority than God. So if this is what God says, He's the highest authority. This is the way it is. Whether you believe it or not, this is the way it is. And so we believe it's the guide, the supreme guide for doctrine, what to believe and how to live. We believe it's the truth by which God brings people into a saving relationship with Himself. Well, why do you need to have a saving relationship with God? Because you're at odds with God. And God is at odds with you. You may not realize that, but you are because of sin. And because of sin, you're at odds with God. You're separated from God. And so God in His grace and mercy has given us the truth so that you can be restored and reconciled back into that relationship with God. And so the Bible contains for us the way to God. Not a way, but the way to have a relationship with God Himself. And we believe that this book, these words, lead us to Christian maturity. So when someone has a relationship with God, when they become a child of God through repentance and faith in Christ alone, they have this desire to want to grow in that relationship. And so everything that you need to grow in your relationship with God is contained in this book. It 
It has the truth of God to us to know how to grow in relationship to Him. And I know that there may be some here this morning that you say, yeah, I'm all in on that, man. I've heard that all my life. I believe that. I've grown up with that. I would die for this truth. But there might be some that maybe say, you know, I'm not sure if I buy into all that. I'm, I'm just not sure. I, I kind of have some questions about this Bible. And is it really from God? Can it be trusted? And if you have questions like that, ask those questions. But don't just stop at asking. Seek the answers. Don't just assume. I want to challenge. I want to encourage you. If you have questions, ask them. By all means, ask the questions and then go find the answers. And I want to give you a couple of resources. If maybe that's you, maybe you're going, I'm not quite sure. If you have some questions about this book, the Bible, let me give you a couple sites, a couple of resources where I would encourage you to go to to seek answers to some of those questions. The first one is um, a website, carm.org. Go there. It's Christian Apologetics Research Ministry. Great website, great resource. If you have questions, they give all kinds of great stuff about the Bible, and they, list a, uh, they have a list of questions that people often ask, and then they kind of work through that. Another great resource that I've used, even personally, is One Minute Apologist. If you're more video-based, okay, you want, want it quick, right? It's like a two- to three-minute video clip, just video clips of this guy just taking questions that people ask and then giving good, solid answers. So, so one-minute apologist, I would encourage you to check out those sites. But I love what Charles Spurgeon said, this, said about defending the Bible. He said, how do I defend the Bible? Now, Charles Spurgeon was known as the prince of pre- preachers back in the 1800s, loved to read his stuff. He said this about defending the Bible. He said, how do I defend the Bible? The same I would a lion. I would open the cage and let it loose. I love that. I love that. Why? He, what he's saying is the Bible can defend itself. So ask your questions. Ask away. Go and answer them. Because we truly believe that this is God's word. God's big enough he can defend himself. All right? So bring them. Go. Find, find the answers to the questions you have about this book. And maybe go to your living community pastor and ask questions. Maybe... You just want to say, hey, let's meet. Can we meet? I have some questions. Then do that, please. I want to encourage you to do that. And so let's assume that we believe these things about the Scriptures. And if the Bible really is God's Word, it really is breathed out from God Himself to us. It's holy. It's why it's called the Holy Bible, because it comes from God. And if we really believe these things, and if we really believe that as you read it, you are coming into contact with God Himself. He's revealing Himself to you. He reveals here in His words how to know Him, how to enjoy Him, how to experience Him, how to be with Him forever, and you also discover who you are and who you aren't, then why is it, according to LifeWay Research, why is it that only 19% of us actually read it every day? If we believe this is where we go to find God, go to learn about God, go to grow in our relationship with God, then why is it that of all the churchgoers, only 19% of us read it every day? Why is it such a struggle What are the roadblocks that keep us from spending time reading the Bible? I want you to answer that question or share some of the roadblocks that you think might keep us from reading the Bible with the people next to you. Just take take time right now. Right where you are, take a moment. Share. What What are some of the roadblocks that keep people from spending time reading the Bible? Take a few minutes to discuss that right where you sit. All right, so I'm not going to ask for you to share about what those roadblocks are. I think we could...
come up with all kinds of different roadblocks, right? Those things that maybe get in the way of us really spending time reading and studying the Bible. Where I want to go in the remainder of our time is I just want to share with us what do we miss when we don't spend time reading the Scriptures? What do we miss? Why should we read it? Why should it be important for you, especially for you as a disciple, as someone who follows Jesus? What do you miss when you don't read the Scriptures? The first thing that I think we miss when we don't read the Bible is you miss hearing what God wants to say to you. You miss hearing what God wants to say to you. God has something He wants to say to you. He has something he wants to say, and God has always used words to communicate what he wants to say. At the very beginning, think about it, Genesis 1-3, and God said, and he used words to communicate to humanity. He's always used words to communicate. And there have been moments throughout biblical history where God even spoke words and then took those words and via a human person put those words onto paper or tablet. So us having a copy of a, or a book that contains the very words of God that God spoke using human authors is not anything new. God's done this before. Go with me to Exodus chapter 32. If you have a Bible with you, Exodus chapter 32. We're going to look at several scriptures this morning. Exodus chapter 32, verses 15 through 16. Some of you are familiar with the Moses and the Ten Commandments. But I want us to see that God uses words to communicate to his people. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 15 and 16, it says, Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God. So here we see God himself communicating to his people what he wants them to know in writing. And he uses words to do it. And when we don't spend time reading the scriptures, we miss what God wants to say to us. You miss hearing what he wants to say to you. Now I was thinking about it, it's kind of like, like the little child who runs up to mom and dad, and mom and dad's busy talking to someone, or maybe watching Netflix, or watching the ball game, you name it, whatever, and they're pulling on the shirt tail, right, or on the, on the, on the shirt, and they're, they, have one, they, they want to tell them something. They want to tell mom or dad something, like, and we're just kind of oblivious, whatever, you know, wait, not right now, the game, whatever it might be. You know, it's fourth quarter, Browns might win one. Right? Not now. Don't talk. Right? This could be it. This could be historic. Not now. And so they just keep pulling and pulling and pulling. They, have, they want to say something. And sometimes I think we get so busy, so distracted, maybe in doing good things. It's as if God's going, I have something I want to say to you. It's really important. I need you to know this. And we're so distracted, so busy, treasuring something more, whatever it might be. And it might even be a good thing. So much more that God's going, no, I I have something I want to say to you. It's right here. It's right there. Read it. I, I want you to know something. And when we miss reading the scriptures, we miss hearing what God wants to say. And I will say this, you know, I listen to podcasts of sermons and and different people, and those are awesome, and I want to encourage that. But let me say this too. That there's a reason why we like to listen to the people that we listen to. 
You know why? Because they've spent time reading and studying it. And so don't, don't get all you need from here, from crumbs of someone else's meal. There's a meal waiting for you. Waiting for you. Eat. God has something he wants to fill you with. He wants to say something to you. Something else we miss is we miss a personal encounter and experience with God's spirit. Go with me to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul is writing to a church in the first century, the Apostle Paul. And he writes and he gives us some insight into what, what we need in order to understand the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 11 through 14, he says this. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. No one can understand what God is thinking or even what God has communicated except for the Spirit. We talked about the Trinity this morning. It takes the Spirit of God to understand the thoughts and and truth of God. That's a foundational principle. So Paul says, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, But those who are Christians, you've received the Spirit who is from God. You you have in you, dwelling in you right now, Christian, the Spirit of God. Let that sink in. That right where you sit, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, God the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And he says this, and we impart, or he says, we have the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this, we give this to you in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, the person who's not a Christian, they don't accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to that person. And he's not able to understand them. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit of God. It takes the Spirit of God to help you understand what God is meaning when He speaks. So in, in every time you open up this Bible, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, it's like you walk into classroom. God 101. And the desk of the teacher, the nameplate of the person teaching is Holy Spirit. And so when you open this, like you walk into the classroom, it's like, you ready class? Oh, bring it. And the Holy Spirit's like, okay, let me, ch- let me teach you some stuff about this God that you worship. That happens every time you open up the Bible because you are incapable of understanding. I'm incapable of understanding the truth in here apart from the Spirit of God. That should blow us away. That every time we're, even right now, even right now, the very thing, the only way you're able to understand this is because the Spirit of God is revealing this to us. It's his truth, and he's making it known. I remember when we went to Brazil on a mission trip, and my father-in-law, um, they were missionaries in Brazil, and he asked me to preach. And I'm preaching to Brazilians. They speak Portuguese. I don't speak Portuguese. All I know is where to go to the bathroom in Portuguese. That's it. So I can't say that for 30 minutes. All right, so, um, so he's like, okay, I'll interpret for you. I don't know if you've ever had to preach or teach with an interpreter. It's incredibly difficult. It's like, especially for me, I'm like, <laughs> and then it's like, no, stop. Ugh. You know, just hard. Stop and go like that. But so I'm, I'm preaching, and then I would have to pause, and then he's communicating what I was saying in English in Portuguese to the people. And I'm just trusting that what he's saying is actually what I'm trying to communicate. I'm sure he cleaned it up a ton, right? So, um, 
what, what was going on there was I'm communicating truth. I've got this interpreter who's able to take that truth, hear it, understand it, and now put it in a language that the people can understand. That happens every time as a Christian you open up the Bible. The Spirit of God is doing that for you. You ever read and you're like, I never saw that before. Did you just have an enlightening? No, the Spirit of God enlightened you. That's the Spirit of God. When you read something like, oh, I never knew that was in there. I never, that truth. Or it just warms you. You're just like that promise. Oh, God, I needed that. That's the Spirit of God going on as you're reading. And when we don't read and study the Bible, it's like we miss that. You miss that encounter, that experience of, of having the Spirit of God teach you the truth of God. Now, a couple implications with this maybe. You're not able to understand this Bible. Maybe you actually think it's foolishness because maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you don't have the Spirit of God. And so you're just like, I don't get it. It's foolishness. Really? I don't know. That's, that's possible, right? Because it takes the Spirit of God to understand the truth of God. But the other implication in all this is that if you are a follower of Christ, man, sit and listen to the Spirit of God teach you. Every time you open it up and every time you meet as a living community or we're here gathering on Sunday, wherever the scriptures are open as a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God is teaching you. He's at the head of the class. He's hearing the truth of God. He knows the truth of God. He's interpreting it for you so you can understand it. And when we don't read and study, we miss that encounter, that experience of being taught by God himself. It's powerful. Third thing we miss is we miss strengthening our defense against temptation and sin. We miss strengthening our defense against temptation and sin. Psalm 119, 911, 9, 10, and 11. If you have a Bible with you, again, go to the book of Psalm, chapter 119, verses 9, 10, and 11. And if you struggle like I do with, pers- with specific or particular sins, boy, memorize, put these verses that we're going to read to memory. I'll share with you in a moment how these words, in some ways, rescued me from an addiction. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. He says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden, verse 11. Your word in my heart, but I love the phrase in, in this translation. I've stored up your word where? In my heart that I might not sin against you. God has given you as a Christian the resource to defeat sin and to overcome the temptations that come. He's given you that. It's his Bible. It's his scriptures. It's his word. And so if you struggle with pride, you struggle with greed, you struggle with lust, you, you hate it and you're like, oh, I just want victory. He says, do we believe this or not? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what he's saying. Where I've gone to battle sin is here, the truth. And Jesus himself said, thy word, Father, is truth, John 17, 17. So Jesus looks at the Bible, he says, this is truth. And you have an enemy who's going to feed you lies every moment of every day. He's going to get you to think that giving that temptation, you deserve it. No one will know. It's only going to affect you, no one else. He's going to feed you lies about your identity, where your significance comes from, all this stuff. He's going to feed you those lies. And the only way you can defeat the lies is with the truth. In fact, Jesus, when Satan came to him, you can read about it in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus used God's word to defeat the enemy. And listen, he said it is written. So he's using the written word of God to overcome the temptations of the enemy. 
Now, the key thing about Jesus using the written word, Jesus was prepared when the temptation come, when it came. He knew the written word before the temptation came. He wasn't waiting for it like, hmm, what's that, bit, what's that verse? Awana, Awana, where is that? You know, I knew, took it for like seven years. Where's it? You know, he's like, it's written, bring it. Satan, really? Oh, it's written. Nope, that's not truth. That's not, no, here's the truth. And that's Jesus used the written word. And let me share with you and just completely be vulnerable with you personally. Um, I can tell you, people say, well, does it work? Does it really work, memorizing scripture? It does. Now, what I'm about to tell you is very humbling, but I think in order for us to understand how the Spirit of God takes the truth of God to help us defeat sin, I, I need to share this with you. For years, I had an incredible addiction to pornography. And my first exposure to it was when I was 12 or 13 years of age on a church youth group trip. We were at a service project going to the local mall to buy gifts for a needy family. And we paired up with other people in the youth group. And my partner, my, my friend, he said, hey, let's go into this bookstore. Back in the day, they had bookstores, right, in the mall, where, you know, actual things that you open up and read. And they had magazines. And he said, hey, look at the very top of that magazine rack. See those magazines? Yeah, I didn't know anything about this stuff. He said, why don't you grab one? Sure, I did. From that moment on, for years, all the way through high school, through college, even into early married life, and I got to a point where I was incredibly scared, scared, because I knew that if this didn't, if God didn't give me give me victory. Life as I had dreamt it to be or what God wanted would be completely different. And I remember a specific moment. I'd heard this verse. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I go, okay, God, if this is true, you got to do this. So I started memorizing scripture like a champ. I mean, just like, I'm just just feasting on it. Like in the Christmas story and the little brother and she's like, how do little piggies eat? I'm like, piggy, eat. Right, I'm like just going to town on scripture. And I can tell you, it wasn't even accountability. I was so ashamed to even tell anyone. It wasn't accountability, albeit that's great, and we need that more of that if we're truly the church. And it wasn't some self-help thing. It wasn't whatever. It was just, okay, God, I got you. I got the spirit. I know that. That sounds like a cheer in basketball. I got the spirit. And, and I just got it, and I'm just memorizing it, and I can tell you the, go- the Lord through his truth has given me incredible victory for years now. And so I share that with you, not to glamorize or anything, but just say, I want you to know God's truth is real, and it works. And sometimes, right, the enemy, if, if you're here, right, this is the battlefield, and the battlefield, pull it out so you can maybe see it. All right, the battlefield is like, this is your mind. Sorry, sorry, fella, and, 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 and your heart. Right, and you got this enemy, and he's just like, I mean, he's just drilling you left and right with lies. Just lies over and over and over, right? And you're like, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, all the service, oh, yeah, giving in that temptation. Yeah, you deserve it, blah, 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 whatever the lies are, right? He's just firing at you every day, every morning. And we got like one little ninja warrior truth, right? Back from 10 years ago when we were in little Sunday school, whatever, right? And that's a ninja truth, man. It's going to hold its own. It's going to do some damage. Right? He might knock off a few, but you're, you're outnumbered. 
You're completely outnumbered. Totally. And the only way you conquer those lies and that sin with the truth is when the truth outnumbers the lies. When it outnumbers the lies, then your percentage of victory goes way up. That's what you miss when you don't read and study the scriptures. You miss the truth that you need to defeat the lies that the enemy is throwing at you every moment of every day. And we want this quick fix, right? We want this like, you know, what do I need to do to just overcome it right now? No, battle is battle. You got to wake up like, no, I got to fill my mind with the truth so I can defeat this sin, defeat this temptation for the glory of Jesus. And so if you want to overcome the sin, the lies, you got to know the truth and you got to fight back with the truth. And this battlefield for your mind and your heart is really where it starts. You got to flood that. You got to fill that up with the truth of God's word to the point to where it's outnumbering the lies. And then you got to talk the truth to yourself throughout the day. You got to bring up these scriptures that you've stored in your heart and mind. What else do you miss when we don't read and study the scriptures? We miss receiving from God what we need in order to grow as a disciple of Jesus. We miss this. We read it earlier, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. God has given us the scriptures. He's given us the truth, right, so that we can grow, so that we can have what we need for every good work. Do we really believe that? Every good work that contained in the truth of God is all you need in order to grow in the area of work that God has called you to. Whether that be literal work, where you go on Monday, Monday through Friday, or the work of marriage, the work of being single, the work of whatever it might be, the work of ministry, the work of neighboring, whatever it might be, everything you need to be a godly man, a godly woman for Jesus is right here to make you complete for every good work. And I can tell you again from personal experience, right, the truth of God has made an incredible impact in my marriage for me and Andrea. There was a verse in Ephesians chapter 4 before we got married that says this, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So we kind of adopted that into our relationship. We're like, no one ever sleeps on the couch, ever. That's not ever going to happen in our relationship. And I think to this day, that's, we've held to that, right? Unless we were sick or something, right? But I'm like, no one sleeps on the couch like if you're angry. Right? We're going to resolve our, whatever issues we have before we go to bed. We don't care if we're up till 3 in the morning talking it out. And it's the truth of God for every good work. And so we're looking at the truth. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Okay, so let's apply this to the work of our relationship. Right? So that's what we've done. And I was talking to somebody else this week, and they're like, yeah, we read the Bible at night together as a couple, and then we pray, and he's like, it's really hard to go to bed angry with your spouse when you've just read the scripture and you feel like, you know, okay, I got to confess this to you, all right? I've treated you wrong. I said these words, whatever. It's there. It's, it equips you to grow in every good work. And we miss what we need in order to grow, in order to glorify God and all the work that He's given to us when we don't spend time in the scriptures. And then finally, you miss getting to know Jesus. You miss getting to know Christ because this book is all about Christ. It's all about him. Don't tell me you want to get to know Jesus and never spend time reading about him. Just saying. Oh, I love Jesus. I want to get to know Jesus. Are you, there's a book that's all, really it's all about him. And you can get to know him by doing that. I mean, if you're not here, maybe you don't really, really want to know him. It's like someone say, oh, we'll get together. Yeah, man, I want to get to know your story. And they're like, yeah, they keep telling me, let's get for coffee. I'm like, okay, cool. Just let me know. And you never hear from him. Yeah, they don't really want to get to know me, right? Or I might do it on the flip. Yeah, I'll get, let's do that. I'm like, nah, and I, I never follow up. Now, if we really want to get to know this Jesus, we're going to read the book that's all about him. In the Gospel of John, chapter 5, 
and I encourage you to go there with me. In John chapter 5, Jesus said that this book is all about him. Speaking to some religious people in chapter 5, verse 39 of the Gospel of John, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that hear, or they that bear witness about me. What he's saying is this book, these pages all point to Jesus. They all point and lead to him and how we can have a relationship with God himself and be reconciled back to friendship with God through this person who is Jesus. And I'll just tell you, when it comes down to reading and studying the Bible, it's not a time issue. It's a treasure issue. We treasure things more than we do spending time with God. Guilty. We do. We just flat out do. It's not a time issue. It's a treasure issue. And so do we really want to hear from God and what God has to say to us? Do we really want to sit in the classroom and have the Holy Spirit teach us? Do we really want to fight that sin and struggle and defeat those lies? Do we really want to know what we need in order to grow in our relationship with Jesus? Do we really want to get to know this Jesus? If so, then we read and study the scriptures because when we don't, we miss all of that. We miss all of it. And so you wake up tomorrow morning, right? And you're like, dude, I'm going after it, man. I'm going to have my Bible open. I'm going to like Ninja Warrior some truth in me and all this stuff. I've, I've got it. And so you wake up in the morning. I don't know where to start. Leviticus is a cool book. Never heard of that before. So you start Leviticus. And you get going. You're like, are you serious? This is the most boring book in the entire world. And it, but I know there's truth here, right? That's why it's important you know how to study the Bible. That's why you need to know how to study. We're going to get into that next week. But real quick, inductive study method, I'm going to talk and walk us through this next week. It basically involves observation, interpretation, application, and implementation. And in our living community, I don't even think we even know we're doing it, but we're doing it. When we get in those little huddles and you're looking at Scripture, observation. When we're asking questions, interpretation. What's this mean? What's it look like? Application. What do we need to do with this? Implementation. That's how we study the Scriptures. And knowing what the Bible is all about helps us make sense of even a book like Leviticus. Right? And so, listen, I'm going to ask the band to come. As, as, we, as we look at the scripture, right? As we look at this book, and, and it contains God's word. It's God's word to us, God's word to you. It, God is not just spoken, He's speaking. And He's speaking because He has something He wants to say to you. And, and what's amazing is that the Gospel of John in chapter 1, verse 14, called Jesus the Word. He called him the Word. Think about that. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that Word is full of grace and full of truth. This Word, the purpose of this Word is to lead you to the Word who is Jesus. Always. The one person who's full of grace, who's full of truth. That one person who's Jesus Christ is the truth. And I want to close with one final passage, Matthew chapter 7. And he says this, Jesus is speaking, and he says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. The rock who is Jesus, the rock who is his words. It made me think of a hymn that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. And all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. 
Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for giving it to us. We didn't deserve it. You didn't have to, but you, you gave us this book. You gave us these words so we could get to know you. And now not only know you, but we can have this foundation for life, this rock that we can stand on. The rock of Jesus Christ, the rock of his word. And now may this week, may we treasure you more than anyone else and anything else and hear from you this week as we rest on Christ, the solid rock. In his name, amen.